Hey everyone, this episode of Hang Time is a part of the Globally Ballin' Podcast Network, a subsidiary of the Globally Ballin' Media Network. For this show and other shows like it, such as the Globally Ballin' Podcast, as well as projects like it, such as original articles and video work, visit globallyballin.com now. For episode 49 of Hang Time, our host Denise Dinsai welcomes Isaac Go to the new version of the show as Denise ventures off into different sports. The two talk about a variety of different topics, including Isaac's time at Ateneo, his losses against DLSU, his win with Gilas against South Korea, and a whole lot more. You'll be sure to enjoy this week's episode as you never know what'll come up when Denise welcomes a guest to the show. With that being said, enjoy episode 49 of Hang Time. Thank you. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Hang Time with me, Denise Densai. And we're branching out to more sports and more athletes in the coming episodes. And for our first branching out episode, we have former Ateneo Blue Eagle, Great Wall of Ateneo. Um, ano pa ba? Parang he's been uh, garnering so many names uh, during his time playing basketball so without further ado we have isaac Go. isaac thank you so much for joining us <laughs> thank you for finally having me i remember the first time you told me when i found out that you had a podcast and you asked and then you now finally have me on the show finally, finally. i had you know kailangan my build up we had to start from volleyball and then at that time you were very hard to reach uh we're gonna talk about why uh, that is because you've been quite a decorated player even from the beginning but okay, let's get right to it. You know, Isaac, you've, you've really soared your wings, you know, not just in basketball, but we've seen you also doing uh, hosting stints, analysts, writing for the NBA PH. And wow, but looking back, you know, in the UAP, maybe also before in Savior, did you see yourself being in the position that you're in right now? Not even, honestly. I never saw myself being in this position till I got to college. Like maybe, maybe I do have a shot. So as everybody knows, I think the story is overused everywhere. But I was a studies first guy. Just went wanted to get go to school. Then basketball came around. Then I hated basketball. Um, then eventually I learned to love it, and it's opened so many doors for me. So I am now in places where I never thought I'd be. Oh my God, I look so thin there in that picture. That was, like, <laughs> that was in my rookie year. Uh, but yeah, basketball has really opened so many doors for me at this point. It's taken you to places, literally and figuratively. Uh, you've been through so many countries, uh, gone against also so many nationalities. But where, you know where it all started, quote unquote, in Ateneo, uh, where you also blew up. You know, um, talk to us about the journey getting there. Like if you were not an overnight sensation, it was a long time coming. I think, yes, I agree with that. No one just blows up like that. Um, unless you're Jeremy Lin, and that's probably one in a million chances, Lin Sanity, 10 years ago. But definitely, it worked. It is done every day in practice, every time you go home and rest, on the weekends where I chose to work out and study the game more. And it just built up over time because when you are given an opportunity, if you're not ready, then it's your fault. But if you're ready and the world doesn't give you an opportunity, then it's not your fault. So I wanted to control what I could control in that sense. I forgot where that movie came from, where they said that the 
the main character did everything he could, but he was never just given opportunity opportunity by the world. And I was lucky that I did. So you just have to take advantage of that because opportunities come and second chances are even harder to come by. So try to get it right the first time. <laughs> wow, wow. So many, so many wise words. Now, to everyone who like, does you know Isaac, I guess. I mean, I've been privy to see you guys, of course, like, um, quote-unquote, backstage. And you're one of the technical guys. Um, like, sila 30, sila Aaron, they prefer playing it out agad. You take so much time letting the game sink in, studying it, and hinihimay mo talaga, you know? <laughs> How did you develop that kind of approach? I think it started in school because in school, you just can't jump into it. You have to prepare. You have to take... And I know that I'm the type of person where I really don't have the athletic ability to cover my mistakes. That if I do make a mistake, chances are it's going it's gonna to lead to a mistake. It's going to... You can't cover it up. It's going to lead to a bad resolution. Sorry, bad outcome. Unlike if I try my best at the start to technically approach it and attack it the way I can, it gives me a chance that to lead to a positive outcome. And if it leads to a negative outcome, most people won't criticize you for taking a technical approach and it fails. Like, you can't really blame the guy. Like, it just so happens that happened. And at the same time, that was my edge because I knew that if I was going to compete physically with a lot of the big men in the college ranks, I was not ready. I was definitely not ready. I think to this day, ang layo pa ng gap for the most part. But um, if I can do, if I can find a way to have a competitive edge over them, and that was through the technical side, then maybe I do stand a chance to play against these guys. That's so interesting to hear because you know, like you always say that you don't have like the physical advantage, but dude, you're tall. Like you're tall, tall is quite I'm an tall, understatement. Look, look, look at now. You have Ange Kwame, six ten. You have Isagaya, six ten. Um, Alfred Arago was six six and he was big. Karim Abdul was maybe six five, but he was big. Ben Mbala was six foot six, but he had incredible athleticism. Ike was six foot nine. He, you see, Ike, Ike is a wall. He's just wide. He's strong. So yes, I may be tall, but when you get into college, rank, tall doesn't just get you. Tall doesn't get you that far. And no, but the thing is, so you're tall, but then why, like? How do you continue to develop that kind of yung being nitty gritty in the details? Because you're obsessed with that. Like I've seen your notebook. Parang you really like take down all of those things. You're religious to that sense. Na talagang everything has to be marked, noted, so that you see the progress. Like why? Why so specific? You're making me sound like I'm a such a. I'm so in, I'm so focused. Um, but because you I are, th- I think you you balance it. Eh? There are times. Let's face it, guys. Okay, super sabawni Isaac. But like when it comes, when you're like in the game, when you're like there, <laughs> it, it's so hard. You're like laser focused. Parang bumabawi ka sa lahat ng sabawnes mo on the days that you're sabaw. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's just because I know that. I have to come into that game focused because um, I've had a lot of times where I didn't come into the game focused, played horribly, and parang nakakahiya eh. Parang when you when you play this when you play basketball when you play any sport that you're competitive, you want to show your best. Mm-hmm. You want to show your love to the sport by giving your all, giving your best. And sometimes that may not be enough, and you you can live with that fact. If it's not enough, that means you just have something to improve on. But if you know that you could have done something, if you could have played better and and, and it was your in your control, then that kind of eats at me. That kind of makes me say like, damn, I, sh- I should have played better. I could have played better. Rather than that sometimes where, oh, I think I've done what I could. 
and now I can relax. Like I can accept that fact that I couldn't have done anything better, anything more. So, sure, that's why I'm super focused in the game. And at the same time, that's my competitive edge that I have to try and analyze everything. I have to try and break down everything. But sometimes it's to a fault already, and that's my competitive advantage. That's what I feel will give me an, an edge over my opponents. And hopefully, in that could make or break a game, but it shouldn't. But it's just about winning every possession. Small details matter. You're. This is it, it's so good. Aside from, of course, attention to detail is one of your strengths. You're very much aware of your weaknesses and things that you can improve on. Now you're you're part of like a special era of basketball. Special era? Wow. wow yes. Wow. I mean, okay, we're not counting the classics of before uh, to all of our listeners and viewers. We are not discounting that. I'm just saying, you know, it's a new age um, of basketball right now, especially in the UAAP before COVID hit. Again, there's always that disclaimer. Um, it started from season 79, the first time that Coach Tab uh, coached for the Ateneo Blue Eagles. And everyone knows who's been part of season 79 with the Ateneo team. Uh, it's always been dubbed as the Cinderella run. And that's because no one ever thought Ateneo will make it to the finals and to put up that kind of a fight even and to see that kind of maturity among its players and the style of playing that you guys uh, have definitely shown. As a player, from your perspective during that season, can you tell us your thoughts, your feelings, what you were going through during that journey? I think you were, you, that was your year. So, of course, because I'm not a special group. But um, I think that it all started when we literally got beat by LaSalle twice. This like Coach Tab came in, really didn't know any of us, didn't know what yeah. to expect. We didn't know what to expect from him. So and then we got we got blown out by LaSalle twice. I think one in Phil Oil, one in Enderun. And that changed all that. And Coach Tab really saw what we lacked and pushed us. And I think at the same time, because he believed in us and said that we could have we could go all the way and showed it in every day in practice by putting us to work. And we we did respond, giving him hope. We saw we saw his hope in us and his belief in us that we can do it. Like just because everyone's counting us out doesn't mean we're counted out. Like we can still do this. And I think that everyone bought in, everyone believed in him. He believed in us. Um, the coaches, management. Everybody bought in. And I think throughout that year, we saw it. We saw there was a growing pains. Definitely, there were times we were like, mm-hmm. what What are we doing? Is this going to work? Um, yeah. is, is this going to be enough? And in the end, um, he showed, we, we believe, we showed us, we showed each other that we could have done it. And even if you, were you in the dugout in the finals game? After that finals yeah, game? Yeah, yeah. You remember what yeah. you remember what he said? Coach Tab said a lot of things, and there were lots of crying. Yeah, oh, yeah, there was. <laughs> um, but the one thing that's always stuck with me was, you know, that how after you lose a championship, if you give it your all, I'm gonna cons- like the, the typical thing to do is to console the players mm. and like say you've done great, like all that stuff. He said you guys did great, but I'm not gonna console you guys because we could have won that game, we could have won oh, yeah. that series. You just weren't ready, and. I think maybe that was him playing with us because I think that lit, lit a fire in us that next year to come back and win win that year. Even though Las- I remember LaSalle was still the favorites in that year. Yes. So um, that that really stuck with me till this day what he said that I'm not going to console you guys. You guys weren't ready for the moment. The moment became too big for you guys but you could have beaten that game. I mean, those are big words coming from Coach Tap because we all know how he can also be quite objective. Like I remember when you lost the UP the first time like 
in forever and everyone was panicking and parang coach Sab was saying like I don't get why you're panicking because you did the job you did exactly what you were supposed to do it's just a bad day like yeah. it's just the shots weren't going in so parang you could always expect coach Sab to really know what's up now he's not there to baby you guys at the same time like too much tough love like he knows exactly what should have been delivered during a game now yeah. after that after that Cinderella run um You guys were unstoppable, consecutive championships. And then here we go to the Gilas, uh, the preparation. Everyone was so hyped up. And also sa D-League of the PBA, you guys, that was also like a great practice. How was it like also moving from college basketball? I mean, UAAP is a big place to quote-unquote yeah play on and perform but this one even bigger with your reach um with the competitiveness also with the style you guys kept maturing you kept maturing how was that journey of growth for you um and just to clarify when you say that it's really every it's a big uap is big and you think about it only how many people make the uap or slash ncaa and then how many only them make Let's say um, the, the PBA. So mm-hmm. you can see that as you go up, the level of competition just doesn't get lower; it gets higher because now only the best of the best make it. And I think during that, Samarian, you see, I saw now. Okay, what I did in college might be enough to make it, but if I wanna, if I wanna make this my livelihood, if I wanna secure this to be my career, I have to do more. You can't just stay in the same level. I'm not one of those guys who I. I think there's a perfect comment about. It. I forgot who was the guest in JJ Reddick's show. He said, when you go to the NBA, probably the top 10 or 15% are guys that no matter what they do, they're going to make it. And the rest of the 80, 90, 85% of the league can change in and out. Like, they're, they're replaceable. And I felt I belonged on the 80 to 80, the 85 to 90% of the group that I had to work that if I didn't work, someone was going to take my slot, that someone was going to beat me to it. And that's where I realized that, okay, I made it to college. I did good. But now what's the next level for me? How do I get to that next level? And I think it was a learning process for me because I didn't know what, what it took. And I think being with Gilas, being with Coach Tab, um, being with every, all of the coaches and all the players throughout that Gilas time was a wake-up call to me because now I get to go up against PBA players. In college, we really didn't have that opportunity. And now you go up against them in practice, you see how they act, how they take care of their bodies. Now, that was that was one of my early lessons that to see. Like, if I want to st- have a successful career like CJ, Kiefer, Justin, that's what I have to do. It's always so hard uh, to find that, I guess, ingredient to make you stand out. And I mean, you've proven it. Eh. It takes time. It takes learning. It takes a lot of exposure to so many things to be able to identify that. But let's talk about that win wins over korea and how you you guys that team really was able to set a standard and how that just lit up so much nationalism and patriotism for all filipino basketball fans and it sent it sent the country those who are of course into the loop into an uproar how how did that happen i know it's such a like super big question but sometimes You you guys were not only fresh out of college, but sort of, and very, very young compared to uh, that Korean roster. But 
what made you guys win over them? I think it was a combination of a lot of things. I think, first of all, we I think if it wasn't for COVID, we were supposed to play them. I don't think it was Feb. The window, the, after this, the second window, we were supposed to play them because it was Indonesia and Thailand, the first window. And then when we got into a bubble, we were preparing for Korea. Like we always, we were always hearing like, we're going to play Korea next. We're going to play next Korea in the next window. And um, that was like, that was our mindset because we were, we are aiming to beat Korea. We're aiming to be in the top top tier of Asia, and you only get there by beating Korea, or by beating China, by beating these types of teams. So when we went to the bubble, like that was our focus, primary focus. Like, how are we going to beat Korea? And it was a year. It was a year long process. Started with that first bubble with Sinakif. Wait, no, wait. The Indonesia bubble, the pros under Coach Mark, and then we had under Coach Jong, then Coach Tao. Like all of those bubbles, all of them were to prep us for. Korea. And of course, you have to thank the bosses for the boss MVP, SBP, who did support us to end, who did um, help us get into these training bubbles. And then eventually, like, we got guys who bought in, who be- we believed we could beat mm-hmm. Korea. Because if you don't believe you're going to beat Korea, it's very difficult to go in a game and beat them. Yeah. It's very difficult. You have to have that belief in yourself and belief in the team, believe in the plan to go out and beat Korea. And when we did, and I think at the same time, this Korea team may have, may have, because I'm not really sure, may have underestimated us because because of course, it's not the pro teams of the past where you know that you have mm-hmm. the PBA guys and all uh, naturalized players who played in the NBA. So maybe they did take us for granted that they, oh, they're sending college kids. We can beat them. I don't know. But that may have been a factor. And we jumped into the gun and SJ hit that incredible shot at the end. <laughs> and it, with these type of games, sometimes all you have to do is put yourself in a position to win. And that's what we tried to do. We kept the game close. This Korea was suppo- was expected to win. They were, they were supposed to beat us. From a normal fan standpoint, I think. Yeah. When you see a national team of Korea where you have guys like Ricardo, uh, Raguna, and all their vets who've been there for a long time, you were expected to beat cadets or our college kids so maybe the pressure also got to them where like when we jumped the gun on them and then they didn't expect this they weren't ready for this so a lot of factors had to go right and i think that we just controlled what we could control and did our job what do you think um was the strength um of that team that went against you know that former Gilas roster. Let, let's talk about like good things and then also compare it to the current Gilas roster. What do you think are their strengths? Because I know like, you know, we're hearing lots of negative things. Yeah. So let, let's balance it out with the, the good traits of like yeah. the players because there are, there really are. So let's start first with your team before. I think our team, number one, we had preparation. We had multiple mm-hmm. bubbles that came together and had time to practice. I think that's our number one advantage. We had a yeah. preparation of time. And I think a lot of us were honored to be there. Like We all wanted to be there. And I think a lot of us also had that hunger to prove that we belong. <laughs> we like we can if we can beat Korea, like like it's gonna it's not gonna only improve our own record, our own name, but also the name of the country and of the bosses and of everybody. Like everybody wins if we come in, buy in, believe we can beat Korea. Like everybody wins. Like no one loses if you beat Korea. But of course, if you compare it with the team now, it's gonna be a different story. This team now has experience. You have guys like Roger, Troy, uh, Jason Castro, Kelly Williams, who've been there, who've been there, done that. They've been in the national team level for the longest time, and they have that years of experience with. And I and they're still great players. So parang they still have the the ang dame parang like we would love to have Roger. Like I think if you had Troy on our team, like we would love them because we know that they're better than us. Like not at the moment, like in the future we're gonna try to get better than them. But at the moment, they're better players than us. Yeah. 
So it's gonna help us get better in practice, help us get better. And so that you can't pay for that experience. That experience only comes with time, and you can't you can't pay for that. And second is like, of course, like you have Dwight coming back, who's been from Japan, Juan, who's been from Japan, and now we have that experience with them. That playing professional ball, it's gonna be different. And that now you combine it with the experience they have in the PBA, guys. Now you have this melting pot of experiences. And I'm trying to think of another word of experience. I keep saying experience. Um, but another, there's no other way. Um, experience. But experience, diba, right? But it's now a melting <laughs> pot. Now you're sharing. You're sharing stories, sharing tactics. Oh, this is what yeah. we did, and this is how we played a certain player that played this way, who's similar to that, and like it adds to the knowledge, it adds to the body of work of the national team, and and at the same time, this PBA team that's coming there, they played together for a long time, especially that group of Tokatex, that Tokatex core has played together. Unlike us, like it was literally the Ateneo boys who kind of stuck together. Then you have half the other team who is Isa from their own respective schools. Mm-hmm. But this Tokatex core has been here together for a while. They have built camaraderie. They know how to play with one another. So don't be surprised if you have in this window where you have four or five talking text players on the floor at the same time. Like, I, I don't see that as a surprise because it would be the right move on Coach Chot's part to have players who know how to play with each other, play together. Now let's, not uh, on pause, but let's move on to your other endeavors that you have been very active in, which is hosting... Who would have thought you're like super, you overthink when it comes to what to say, like I've seen you. And also being an analyst, like how did you end up in that road? <laughs> I think it had to, I don't know, maybe it started with our shoot before. Remember that shoot? <laughs> oh my God, that's so old, goodness. <laughs> um, But maybe they saw something and maybe, I don't know. And I always like talking to reporters and the people in the media after games like masaya parang pag parang uy that means good game ako pag kinausap ako eh yeah, yeah. pag di ako pinap pag di pag di ako kinausap that means either di ako naglaro or parang ganon gets um but i do enjoy it and there are times like i get really talkative as you you know so <laughs> i think it just worked my way there and i had to and i think it started with basketball. Thank God it started with basketball. So I can't imagine it starting a career in media who does not basketball related. Like, because that's that's pretty much all I know about. So yeah. like if you put me in volleyball, I would struggle. I would struggle so hard <laughs> in volleyball. Like you can Denise would know this. I would ask her, how do you commentate volleyball games? How would you what's different? Like what are the rules? Like even the rules of volleyball, I sometimes I'm like, why why is it out? Why is it check ball? Why did they not call the check ball? Why like what are the rotations like? Like I don't have the technical side yet, so thankfully I went to a sport where I was. I they put me in a sport where I was technically available to speak, and that was my advantage. And then over time, you learn you from watching people like Denise and everyone that you learn to how to speak properly, how to do it properly. Where you start cutting down your words, talking a little bit slower, maybe not use technical languages, not don't always use the technical term or language for that certain sequence. Yeah. Less serious. Less serious, get a little bit more fun with how enjoy it, don't mm-hmm. always be like yeah. so uptight. And yeah, that's how it started to develop. And I think over time they saw the people, the producers saw potential and potential in me to do something. So so started it started one thing. I think they saw me coach Charles and CNN before it got me to cover cover NBA games post post game analysis. And I think that's where it started. I think that was my my first real one. And then eventually when I got I always I would always joke around like Kunin yun naman ako analyst ng UAP. Always always joke like that. So, and I think NBA hype quote game. Quote-unquote joke. Pero parinig niya yun. <laughs> and NBA hype game, um, all these guest things eventually, it just built up. Like, it just like it just snowballed really for me. And I'm really happy to be in the position now. 
I'm lucky that I'm still talking about basketball. I can't imagine writing not about basketball at this point. So thankfully, they, I'm in a comfortable spot. But of course, I do want to expand. I don't want to just stick with basketball. But and uh, NBA hype, writing for NBA is completely different. Different size. Now you see it now. It kind of opened my eyes. I think you you know this. Like, because you made the jump from sports to news. I made the jump from writing playing to, to... <laughs> from playing to writing to speaking. Like, completely different. Like, we know that it's completely different. And now it just opens our eyes to what really goes beyond in producing shows like this in producing these these massive uh, media companies that we do we do enjoy content from. So, kind of opened my eyes, really. And it's enjoy. I've enjoyed... I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed <laughs> the process of we, it. We, we see that. We see that. The improvement, especially for me, like, seeing how you used to do it first and you were so awkward... And I would have to tell you, like, no, that can't be your tone. It's too monotonous. Like, too you have monotonous. to put variation. But you said nga kanina na you want to explore more sports. What other sports? And are you, like, starting to study for it? Not. I do have, not yet. I haven't expanded it. Because I think I'm still primarily focused on basketball at the moment. Because I want to be great in it before I start branching out a little bit. I, I do know a little bit about football. Congrats to the women's national team for making us proud the volleyball I do have I like I do have minimal idea of other sports technically speaking I just don't mm-hmm. know the strat because when I watch the game I just don't want to know the rules or technical yeah. but I want to know the strategies behind it I want to know why the player did this why the player did that and maybe that's why I'm gonna take a while with it is I'm gonna t- it's, it's, it's like with, especially like if, I think the easiest example is like football why do you have certain formations why do you have let's say 343 or 121254 or something like why like there's no and I want to know the science I want to know why teams decide to do that and maybe that's why I'm taking my time with it and probably I think volleyball would be the one easy in the horizon because it's arguably the second biggest sport in the Philippines next to basketball I mean um, Mika used to play your younger sister yeah, like, like you're very play. much aware yeah yeah, so probably that. Probably it's gonna be valuable, but who knows? Like you could hear me commentating maybe golf, ping pong, what? like chess. What? Like who knows? I really don't know. I, I'm trying to keep my options open. I just, I don't want to be limited to basketball really. I like how it's so different now because there really used to be a time where you would like, no, no, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'll focus on. Like let's just start with this. But now we have a more free-flowing, open-minded Isaac that's actually more excited to explore his horizon compared to before that you tend to really just stick to where you're good at because you want to be the best at it. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to be the best at it by exploring. It's just you want to be also the best at other things. So you for maturity and growth that I'm also seeing how it's expanding. Yeah, because it's also that I think that sometimes you don't want to, as I say, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. I think that's for me. Like, okay, I'll still have probably 70 to 80% in basketball, but maybe why not put that? That's, sometimes the 20% makes a difference and from getting from being really, really good to being elite. But sometimes the 20% won't get you there. So yeah. maybe sometimes you'll see that instead of putting the 20% there, that would make me still stay good. Why not put it somewhere else where you can be you can be now a little bit aware of, a little bit good. So maybe put the 20% that's in volleyball. And now you're able to, and now once you start, it kind of just, just snowballs. Like I said earlier, just snowballs. That once you start studying volleyball, maybe start talking to the right people about volleyball. Get now you start commentating, coaching, who knows? It just snowballs. It really just snowballs. I like it. I can see that coaching. I think one thing, my 
main takeaway from uh, this interview, this conversation with you is first, it's important to know yourself. Second, know where you're investing yourself. Again, be like, be smart in where you put out other parts, like the 20%, as you were mentioning a while ago, because you never know where it can lead to and how maybe it could exponentially grow. But as we end this conversation, you've had so many followers and it's only continued to amass the more that, you know, you put yourself out there, like with PBA, Gilas, and then now doing your hosting stand for NBA Hype and who knows the UAAP I guess, what could be your encouragement to your fans also that are too scared or are scared to wander away and explore the unknown? I get it because I'm like that too. Like, don't be overcritical. Don't, don't, sometimes you just got to say, just do it. Like the Nike slogan, just do it. <laughs> it's, I'm like that. I overthink a lot of things. And whether it was my decision to play, where to go to college, um, what course to take, I'm too calculative to that. And there's nothing wrong with that because I'm the type of person who's a little bit more conservative. But sometimes you just got to say, you got to do it. Like, I have so many plans. I'm thinking of so many different ideas. But just because I don't check, take one box in it, like let's say a checklist of five, I don't check one box. I stop. Like, okay, maybe this is not the right thing. Or be like, you got 80, you got four out of the five. Why not just go with it? Just because you didn't get the last 20% or take. And this is going to vary with different people. Mm-hmm. So like I've told you what whatever ideas I've had and none of them ever get pushed through because I'm too calculative. And I'm like, I don't know, no, no, no. Sometimes you just got to do it. Like some, just believe on yourself, bet on yourself where, and sometimes, yes, you are going to get burned, but sometimes it's just going to eat up at you why you didn't do it. Like, of course, NBA. I always like to use the NBA things where you have players who don't sign the extension with their teams because they will say, I can earn, I can earn more in the free agency market. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they get more money. Sometimes they get burned. And you just got to live with the decision because if you don't make that jump, sometimes you're going you're gonna to regret it that you don't make that jump, that you didn't do it. Why didn't I do it? Be just because um, I didn't have everything in line. And sometimes you just you'll just just do it and you'll figure it out. Like you're gonna you're gonna figure it out as you go on. Like let's be with hosting NBA hype. I was like, how am I gonna do this? Like what are we gonna do? Like I didn't prepare. Like it's so different hosting a show than being a guest on a show. Now you have to prepare their scripts you have to read, you have to know the topics of hand. Um, you have to start mediating and reading people's languages. This as a guest before the host adjusts to you, right? Yeah. yeah. You'd agree. You'd adjust to the guest. <laughs> now you have to adjust with like an NB hype with four other people. Mm-hmm. You have to read body language. Like sometimes if someone gives this answer and you want to give that answer, you can't anymore yeah. because it will seem too repetitive. Like if I was too calculative, I would have not taken it. Like I would have just said, no, I don't know how to do this yet. No, I don't know how to read from a prompter. No, maybe I don't have the nice clothes or the clo- the wardrobe to show off. And no, yeah. eventually you just got to say, just do it. I may get burned. I'll just have to live with my decision. But instead of saying what could go wrong, what could go right? There's a lot of mindsets behind that. So it's all about mindset and take it from Isaac who's overthought a lot of things in his life. I mean, I am a testament to that. So if he can do it, guys, you can also. Isaac Cole, thank you so much for joining us, Isaac. Like, it's been a pleasure and I wouldn't have thought of anyone else to cap off the 
branching out of hang time. Thank you for having me. It's finally, finally great to be on the show, man. <laughs> finally, I'm I'm gonna repeat that every time we see each other, and it's a great to catch up with you. Um, it's been too long, and glad I'm, I'm I had so much fun doing this interview. Really, I really enjoyed having you. I saw go everyone. Thanks, Isaac. No problem. That concludes this episode of Hang Time. As a reminder, for this show and others like it, as well as projects like it, go to globallyballin.com and subscribe to the email list. In addition, follow Globally Ballin on all social media, including facebook.com slash globallyballin, Twitter at Globally Ballin, and Instagram at Globally Ballin Official. You can also follow this show directly on Instagram at The Hangtime Podcast. There you will find all the insight and updates on future episodes and live streams. You won't want to miss it. Finally, you can find all our recent shows and future shows on YouTube in video form. So if you're able, be sure to pull up our YouTube channel at Globally Ballin and check out this episode, past episodes, and clips from different episodes. And as always, if there's someone that you want to hear from on this show, send us a message on any of our social media platforms. Your patronage is truly a blessing. Stay safe and tune in next time for another episode of Hang Time. Thank you.